just like clockwork we're back here hard at work for you the southland we are going to give you three hours of incredible conversation news entertainment and so much more and it's all directed at you the south i am john rawl i am the general of all things southern that's why i am general john rawl csa certified southern american and here on this tuesday y'all show i'm tickled that you my fellow southerners or southerners at heart have taken time to be with us if you want to connect to the y'all show it is so easy to do our number is 803-816-1170 you can text or call you can also go to our website it's the south's homepage y'all.com y-a-l-l.com it's just so dang easy to touch base with us here and we want to hear from all y'all whoo man we've got a good show today we've got our barbecue barrister dropping by we also have news and entertainment we'll be passing along we got a political report in fact in our southern political report today and that's coming to you later this hour we're going to have three talented mid-40s southern women all spotlighted get ready get set because we're going to have a spotlight on marjorie green the congresswoman from north georgia she likely is the most famous republican congressman right now and we've got some audio of her in ohio speaking before donald trump hit the stage this past weekend at a big rally near cleveland marjorie green is a rising star in politics. We will have her in our Southern Political Report, some audio from her. We also, on the right-hand side of the aisle, will tell you about Nikki Haley of South Carolina. She traveled this weekend to Iowa. What in the world is Nikki Haley doing in Iowa? Is she eyeing a 2024 presidential run? Oh, she could be. We'll let you know about that. And then on the left side of the aisle, Nikki Freed is a rising star in Democratic politics from the Sunshine State, and she is the only Democrat currently with a statewide elected office in Florida. Nikki Freed is the Commissioner of Agriculture in the Sunshine State. Nikki Freed wants to move up and get a fancier office. Nikki Freed has announced she's running for governor of Florida in 2022 to take on Ron DeSantis. Now, she's got to get out of the Democratic primary as she's got some competition there. In fact, the former governor, Charlie Crist, is going to be running against her on the Democratic side. He was a Republican governor at Florida about 12 years ago, and now she's got at least him in a Democratic primary forthcoming. But Nikki Freed is a rising star. She was just interviewed on CBSN And we'll play a portion of her interview with Elaine Kehoe of CBSN in our Southern Political Report. Green, Haley, Freed. What a combo. Those, again, are all three Southern women in their 40s who are power players. Some big-time power players. Other ones have been power players and are trying to get back into the game in a big way. And we'll have information on all that coming up here in our Southern Political Report of this first hour. We also have to tell you about what's going on in sports. The Vanderbilt Commodores win game one on Monday against Mississippi State in the College World Series. We'll give you an update from Omaha 
as Vanity looks to capture their second consecutive college baseball national championship this evening. Game two. If they win, they are your champs. If MSU comes back and evens this series up, they'll be at a deciding game three on Wednesday. So we've got college baseball to get to. We'll let you know about some stuff coming out of Nashville besides Vanderbilt being so good. In fact, Vandy fans, if the Commodores win either this evening or even in game three, how about this? If you're in the Nashville area, if Vanderbilt wins, Vanderbilt baseball is giving away free prizes. I'll let you know what maybe some of those prizes are if you want to get to Hawkins Field on the Vanderbilt campus pretty soon and let Vandy reward you with all kinds of prizes, including, I'll go ahead and give you one thing they'll be giving away, a Vanderbilt Nike backpack will be one of the items that you can win if you can help root the black and gold onto a national championship. But that's a one story coming sports-wise out of Nash Vegas. And another story, Nashville's going to turn into uh, Montreal or perhaps Toronto because Nashville and Nissan Stadium will be hosting an NHL stadium series in February. So you can go watch hockey outdoors in the south in February. Is it going to be one of those rare days in February where we hit 100 degrees and you see hockey played in Smashville. That is what's on tap for February 26th at Nissan Stadium. I'll give you all of the details that we can tell you and how you can get tickets perhaps. Nashville Hockey February outside. Sounds pretty good to me. Also, we'll give you an update. Speaking of hockey, we've got the Stanley Cup playoffs going on and right now A good old Southern NHL team has a chance to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. And it's off to a good start there in Tampa for the Lightning. We'll give you the latest on the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then we'll give you an update on what's going on NBA-wise. We had a little bit of a comeback on Monday, and we'll let you know what's on the schedule for the association. Plus, a former Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket wide receiver, has decided to retire as a Bronco. All that is coming up, plus a heartwarming story from the New York Yankees. All that is part of our sports coverage here on today's Y'all Show. And let me also go ahead and give you plenty of warning, just in case you need it. we got a lot of barbecue and grilling talk to get to on today's Y'all Show. Matt Hermans is going to be dropping by in hour two. He is the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue. We're just days away from the 4th of July. We're just hours away from the 4th of July cooking extravaganza to go on for some of you. You might get going Thursday. You might get going Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or all of the above. The national holiday where you have a day off is Monday. So we we got like the most incredible lengthy weekend for grilling. Matt Hermans is going to tell you some tips on grilling hot dogs and grilling steaks. Last week when he was dropping by our barrister of bodacious barbecue he spent a lot of time breaking down how to cook hamburgers specifically not just the meat but also the buns so if you missed that conversation i'm gonna tell you in a second how you can go listen to the y'all show anytime you're up for it courtesy of our podcast options but if you want to know how to cook the perfect hot dog brat frankfurter or if you want to go steak for the 4th of July weekend, Matt Hermans will tell you how to do just that in hour number two. Plus, we've got a look 
at some of the items up at y'all.com, the house homepage, and we have entertainment news coming as well. The BET Awards were just held. I've got the list of the winners of the BET Awards that I'll be sharing with you here on today's Y'all Show. Plus, another one of the Spears girls is speaking out as Jamie Lynn is kind of coming to the defense of her older sister, Britney Spears. I'll let you know the latest on the Kentwood, Louisiana drama. Also, we've got a change with the television appearance for the CMT Music Awards. It is moving to a big network in 2022. I'll let you know about that. Plus, Naomi Judd inducted into the Women's Songwriter Hall of Fame. Did you know that Naomi Judd is a songwriter? Yeah, I know she looked pretty there standing beside Wynonna all those years. Did you know she's a good songwriter and she's being inducted into a Women's Songwriting Hall of Fame? Also, speaking of great guys and gals, how about Trace Adkins? He's got his 25th anniversary album coming out. I'll let you know all about that. All that is part of our entertainment report here on today's Y'all Show. And to echo what I said, if you if you like grilling and barbecue in the 4th of July, not only are we going to have our barrister come by in Hour 2 to tell you about hot dogs and steaks, we got a special treat in Hour 3 of today's Y'all Show. I mean, come on. Tell me who else has this much stuff covered. I don't mean to brag. This is one heck of a program we got here, y'all. And we're just glad that you are part of it. In Hour 3... We are going to spotlight Alabama barbecue. And I just discovered this article. It's actually from a few years ago, but it's well worth noting and it's well worth giving these list of restaurants proper credit. We are going to tell you about the inaugural class of the state of Alabama's Barbecue Hall of Fame. I've got a listing of the cities, I got a listing of the restaurants. And I got a listing of when they actually got going. Some of these places have been in business decades upon decades, close to 100 years in some cases. And I'm going to share with you the list of the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. And that's part of our good Southern culture that we'll have in our number three of today's Y'all Show. I need to get a list like that of every one of our 16 Southern states and just make you, ooh, just sit there and think about barbecue all day long. And how maybe some of you need to get in the car and go to the heart of Dixie, as I have on many occasions, and enjoyed delicious Bama BBQ. From the white sauce to, yeah, there's even some places in Alabama you can get mustard-based sauce. And, of course, good ketchup-styled barbecue coming from Alabama. It is a great southern state. It is the heart of Dixie, and they've got incredible barbecue within the borders of Alabama. All that's coming up in our number two, plus Kobe Bennett's got a southern accent on southern arts. Now, tell me again, where are you going to find that kind of variety? We live in a world where I was literally eating on Tuesday night at a restaurant, and a guy walks in with a T-shirt from his company. It wasn't necessarily something he went out and bought, but they, all these companies are woke and this particular company had a T-shirt that they made their employees probably forced them to wear, <laughs> and it was something along the line of a message of diversity and equality and all this kind of stuff. This was for a national company, again, wearing this shirt. But I'm telling you, folks, as far as the South goes, you're not going to find anything more diverse than the show that's all about the South. We are y'all.
and I'm John, and I'm glad to be here as your host. Let's get into what's going on across the Southeast. We try to kind of keep up, and when we kind of talk about diversity here, we like to talk about, as part of that, weather and when we have things going on. And friends, I'll be honest with you, this one kind of came out of nowhere, and I didn't even cover this on Monday's Y'all Show, and I apologize to all of you on the Georgia-Carolina coast because, can you believe it? We have had a tropical storm literally form out of nowhere and it's already made landfall on the carolina coast tropical storm danny it is now weakened into a tropical depression and it's going to be saturating portions of georgia and alabama today at 11 p.m monday tropical storm danny had sustained winds of 35 miles per hour and was about 50 miles west northwest of beaufort in South Carolina, according to the National Hurricane Center. And that thing had been moving at about 16 miles per hour for an extended amount of time. It's going to weaken as it continues to dissipate today, but this tropical storm, Danny, is the fourth named storm of the Atlantic hurricane season already. This thing just got started June 1st, and usually the very voluminous amount of hurricanes and tropical storms come toward september october here we are not even out of june yet we've already had our fourth storm this thing again is going to make a lot of rain happen inland today the georgia piedmont area in north georgia also northeast alabama jackson county scottsboro bridgeport down into fort Payne. likely going to see plenty of rain be careful pretty mountainous in there and some of this could cause mudslides and more especially in north georgia where we had a real case of mudslides what two years ago when some kind of storm moved through that area so be very careful a weather station at folly beach that is in the charleston area it actually recorded a wind gust of 41 miles per hour on monday and again this caused this thing to be a tropical storm as it hit the South Carolina low country on Monday. And this thing, again, likely to cause up to three inches of rain to some of the areas of the South today. So just be careful, especially if you're going to be traveling in the Georgia area, North Georgia specifically, and also into North Alabama today. And then, of course, South Carolina still could be cleaning up debris and more as they try to get out of this tropical storm danny that came and formed i think within 24 hours this thing kind of formed right there at the coast that's why people like me who claim to be amateur meteorologists here on this show didn't even report on this on monday as it was not even really technically formed and here we have already inland causing some havoc so just be careful as you travel the highways and byways of the south today two people have been killed in a natural gas line explosion near Farmersville, Texas. This blast happened on Monday afternoon at an Atmos Energy facility near Farmersville, which is in Collin County, Texas. That's about 35 miles northeast of Dallas. Not exactly known what caused the blast. Lots of natural gas lines and work that goes on there in North Texas. And again, two people, these workers servicing a gas line when this explosion happened The Princeton and Farmersville fire departments were called out, as well as Collin County EMS and other law enforcement agencies responding to the blast. 
Atmos Energy in a statement said, Our prayers are with those who were affected by the events in Farmersville, Texas today. Out of respect for their privacy, we are not releasing any names or additional details at this stage. But two people killed again in North Texas with a natural gas line explosion. We got lots of people working on gas lines around the southeast, not just your traditional gas that you put in your car, but natural gas lines as well. It can be very scary, very dangerous, and especially when there's an explosion. And that, unfortunately, that deadly blast happening on Monday there in North Texas. Now, we have kind of complained through the years of people moving to the south from places like uh, California. Well, guess what? If you're a California state employee, you might not be coming to some of our southern states because the, the California Republic has now banned travel to several states, including a couple of southern states, as the Attorney General Rob Bonta has added Florida and Arkansas and West Virginia to his list of five total states that he is now keeping state-funded travel from going to because of laws on the books in these states that, as he says, discriminate against members of the LGBTQ community. And he's announced on Monday in San Francisco that they are not going to allow state employees to get state-funded travel from California to these five states. Also, North Dakota and Montana are on this list. As the Attorney General for California said, make no mistake, we're in the midst of an unprecedented wave of bigotry and discrimination in this country, and the state of California is not going to support it. Now, lawmakers five years ago banned non-essential travel to states with laws that discriminate against LGBTQ people. At that time, the list had 12 states on them. I'm not sure what's caused maybe some of those states to go away, what they've done within their state laws to get off of California's bad list. But these five states that have just been added to the list, including Florida, Florida's on this list, they have in recent months introduced bills in their state legislatures that prevent transgender women and girls from participating in school sports consistent with their gender identity, blocking access to health care, and allowing the discrimination of the LGBTQ community. That, again, the words and what the thought is coming from California and its attorney general, Attorney General Bonta, as he announced that on Monday. Less Californians coming to some of our southern states. Okay. The Air Force is making a move. They are moving their fighter jet training facility on the panhandle of Florida, and they're moving it to Virginia? I thought Virginia might be a little too crowded for such a move, but yes, the Air Force is permanently moving its F-22 fighter jet training operation, and they're moving it at Joint Base Langley-Eustis. That's in Hampton, Virginia. Now, this squadron was originally located at Tyndall Air Force Base near Panama City, and then Hurricane Michael came in there a few years ago and heavily damaged this base. And this squadron ended up having to be temporarily located about an hour away in Okaloosa there in Fort Walton. And now this squadron, F-22 training squadron, squadron of the United States Air Force, now being moved from the Panhandle to this joint base, Langley-Eustis, in Hampton, Virginia. I wonder if you're training to be an F-22 fighter jet in the USAF, 
if they tell you one day, okay, fellas and gals, you're going to have to pick up and move out of the beautiful emerald waters of the Florida Gulf Coast, and we're going to send you to a place called the Tidewater of Virginia. A lovely place, too, but I'm not so sure it's quite as good as it would be on the panhandle of Florida, especially this time of year. And I'm sure the Air Force knows what they're doing when they make these kind of decisions. But our our thoughts are certainly still with Panama City and Tyndall Air Force Base. That, I think, was about ground zero when Hurricane Michael came in in October of 2018. And that thing was just awful what it did there. As we don't often see hurricanes and horrible tropical storms coming into the panhandle of Florida, that one was mighty rough. I think it was almost, if not a hurricane category five it was way up there and of course michael caused so much damage there in mexico beach and moved on into the inland areas of the panhandle and then in southwest georgia devastation all over the place lots of trees down the agricultural community of both florida and georgia heavily hit when that thing passed through october of 2018 in some ways we've forgotten about it because of all the other problems that we've encountered over the last few years. But, yes, let's keep that in mind. And, unfortunately, that area taking another hit with the move the Air Force is making to fly that F-22 squadron away from Florida into the old Dominion state. Now, speaking of maybe moves and transportation, the first post-pandemic cruise ship has left the building, and this happened in Fort Lauderdale. Celebrity Edge is a cruise ship, and it left Florida on Saturday, and it left with a limited amount of passengers, 40% capacity, and it's normally a 1,100-passenger cruise ship. But it did leave, and that's good news. It's one of the Royal Caribbean Cruises brands, Celebrity Cruises, and this Celebrity Edge cruise ship, the first cruise ship to leave a U.S. port after a 15-month standstill from the coronavirus, and now it has left the building. It has left the port in Fort Lauderdale. I don't know where it's going, but the main thing is it's going, and a lot of you out here across the South love your cruises. We've had a couple of spots in the South that people flock to, not just people from this region, but people come in from all over the world to take a cruise ship out of New Orleans, Mobile. I think Gulfport has cruise ships coming in there. You've got cruise ships going into Charleston. I don't know if they go into Savannah or not. But also, of course, around Miami and Fort Lauderdale. And they may even go up in the Jacksonville area with some of those destinations going into the Bahamas. But it is good to see life coming back to the way that we somewhat remember. And remember, in the very early hours of this pandemic hitting this country, it was a cruise ship there in California that was the first thing to be heavily infected by a coronavirus outbreak. And that thing had to sit off the, not necessarily coast, but inland in a harbor in california when this thing first got going in 2020 but good to see the ss celebrity edge taking off and hitting high seas and a lot of you now can immediately after hearing me tell you this story go make your plans to hit the high seas pretty soon and go to places like cancun 
or to Nassau and go to other great Caribbean destinations, if you will. Some of you might even want to go up to Alaska. I've talked to so many people who say that's on their bucket list to take one of those Alaskan cruises. And for all y'all wanting to do that, it looks like it's going to be here sooner than later that you can go ahead and make your plans to sail away. We don't want you sailing away from the Y'all Show. We still got so much good stuff coming your way. After the break, an update from Omaha. We had game one of the College World Series finals between Vanderbilt and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. We let, we'll let you know how that turned out. Also, we've got other news and notes, including a great of Georgia Tech football deciding to hang up his NFL career. That and more coming on the Y'all Show Southern Sports Update. And that is up next. And welcome back. Talk with a Southern accent. How about those Vanderbilt Commodores? They get game one in the College Baseball World Series game one. They pick up the victory over Mississippi State 8-2. to two. Vandy comes out and scores bunches of runs early in the ball game. They had a very good pitcher on the mound and lighter. And essentially this one was not as close as expected. And Vanderbilt is one game away from having a back-to-back trip of national championships in the College World Series. Congratulations to Tim Corbin, but it's not a full congratulations. they still got work to do, and Game 2 set for this evening from TD Ameritrade Park between the Vandy Boys and the Diamond Dogs of Mississippi State University. I'm channeling my inner Jim Ellis the longtime voice of Mississippi State athletics, especially Mississippi State Bulldog sports. And I think he's still on the call. In fact, I know he is. I tuned in a few months ago when Mississippi State made a little road trip to the Palmetto State. And not only is Jim Ellis, the legendary Mississippi State broadcaster, second only in Mississippi State broadcasting Excellence to the great voice of Mississippi State Bulldog sports for a long, long time. A guy who was a native of Memphis, a Mississippi legend, a Tupelo legend, and of course, just a SEC legend. And I had a chance to interview said play-by-play guy before he passed away and it was truly an honor because he was such a great and beloved character of Mississippi State University sports and he again got his start in the Memphis area before going on and playing or being the voice of Mississippi State sports for decades Jack Crystal is who I'm Referencing Jack Crystal died in 2014, 
He was the play-by-play for Bulldog Sports for 58 years, from 1953 to 2011. And he came up with this catchphrase of paint it in maroon and white. That was his big kind of catchphrase that he would say whenever MSU would win a ball game. I said paint. Wrap it. Wrap it in maroon and white. My apologies, Mississippi State fans. And just a, a really cool guy. And he also, besides being the voice of Mississippi State, did you realize that Jack Crystal was the lay leader at Temple Benai Israel in Tupelo, Mississippi? And I've been to Tupelo a bunch, and I've looked for a synagogue there. I still haven't seen one. I don't know where it's located, but Jack Crystal was very involved with his Jewish faith. And he actually remained as a resident of Tupelo, even though he was Mississippi State's play-by-play voice. So this guy definitely knew Highway 45A well between Tupelo and Starkville because he must have ripped that road a million times in his years of being MSU's play-by-play voice. Jack Crystal and Jim Ellis succeeded him on Mississippi State baseball and the play-by-play of that back in 79 is when Jim Ellis started appearing there and Crystal would not be necessarily MSU's baseball voice as much as Jim Ellis was. But, yeah, a great sportscaster. We did a great feature in y'all.com. You can go check it out. And it's actually was in our printed edition of the great play-by-play voices of the South. And Jack Crystal was one of those we featured. And, as I said, I had a chance to do the interview with him, and he was uh, quite a character. Jacob Sanford Crystal who died in 2014 at the age of 88. Some might call Jack Crystal a little crusty, rough around the edges, but he was good on the radio, and he sure knew knew how to say that catchphrase every time Mississippi State won a victory. Wrap it in maroon and white, y'all. Well, they better wrap it tonight if they want to continue playing college baseball because if Vanderbilt wins game two, it'll be back-to-back championships for the Vanderbilt Commodores. And you know what? That game, which, by the way, is set for a 7 Eastern, 6 Central start from TD Ameritrade Park on this Tuesday. If Vanderbilt wins either this second game or Vanderbilt loses this evening but comes back on Wednesday and wins the College World Series, if you're a Vanderbilt fan, you are in luck as Vandy is going to be giving away fans all kinds of great prizes. I don't know if they can legally do this or not. I won't tell. Promise. NCAA. If Vanderbilt wins, 10 lucky fans will be picked at random to win a lot of prizes, and they're directly from the Vanderbilt baseball program. Prizes, if Vanderbilt wins, include free tickets to seasons next season's games there at Hawkins Field on the Vanderbilt campus. You can get a Vanderbilt Nike backpack. Ooh, I've always wanted one of those. In fact, college baseball players and coaches alike give them props here i saw chris lamonis at the end of the game monday night and i didn't realize how big of a deal backpacks were for college athletes and coaches as soon as the game was over essentially every baseball player grabbed their little backpack and walked out of the dugout i guess they're kind of a a creative way to keep up with all your stuff i know when i played little league i would not have dared walked into a game with a backpack but then when i think about it i don't know if backpacks existed 
<laughs> back when I played Little League Baseball. I'm sure they did. But I do. I did make an observation after attending a really good Little League game between the Astros and Rays just the other day there in the OPC League that kids these days, have you been to a Little League game of any type here recently? Kids now show up with their own bats and their own helmets. And that's not the way it was back when little Johnny played baseball, and I doubt it was for you either. We had this big giant bag that the coach would keep up with, and inside that bag were bats and helmets. And those helmets looked like they had been around when Babe Ruth first tried on a batting helmet. I don't think they even existed when he played, but they were very well-used batting helmets. And I'll never forget, they had this strap that went underneath the helmet, and all the sweat from years of wear were on that strap. I think some kids even sometimes, I don't think I was one of them, but some kids would take that strap. You know where I'm going with this. They'd take that strap up to their mouth, and they'd chew on it maybe when they were out on second base waiting on something to happen in the game. And we all shared. We had a a communicable sharing of baseball equipment. And you know what? We didn't even think about it. It was the way it was, and we all survived. Now kids have to show up with their own helmet, and if you've got a kid whose head grows as much as some of the kids I know these days, you're having to replace that darn baseball helmet every season, it looks like. You're having to replace that bat. They outgrow their bat, or maybe there's a cooler bat that's the hot thing that every kid wants. So it gets rather expensive even on the little league side of of baseball these days and that's why whenever Vanderbilt gives away backpacks and things like that it makes perfect sense now doesn't it but yes baseball is in full swing and I just wanted to share that also another thing if you're a Vanderbilt fan and you can help steer the Commodores to a victory over Mississippi State in the college baseball world series to the coach of the doors the coach of the Vandy boys Tim Corbin We'll give you a signed baseball cap and a lot more. To enter the giveaway, here, you better listen close and you better do this before first pitch of game two. You have to go to a forum there at the Vandy. It's vucommodores.com is Vanderbilt's website. Go to the website and fill out a form to be able to win a bunch of prizes from Vanderbilt baseball team. And I got a Vanderbilt fan right around the corner from me. Hey. Hey, you. Hey. VUCommodores.com. Go to that website, fill out the form, and you can win prizes from Tim Corbin and the Vanderbilt Commodores. You Would you do that? Yes, I got a thumbs up. So if you win, I want that, I want that Nike backpack. And that fellow I'm talking to, he is pulling for Vanderbilt, at least against Mississippi State. I don't – yeah, go doors. Anchor down. That's that horn they play there at some of the Vanderbilt sporting events. And I can truthfully say that I have attended, I think, multiple football games at Vanderbilt Stadium. I have attended a couple of basketball games there at Memorial Gym. I have not been to a Vanderbilt baseball game that they've played at home. I've seen Vanderbilt, oddly enough, in Starkville taking on Mississippi State 
and they had a miraculous comeback some 10 years ago when me and VandySports.com's Chris Lee were in attendance there in Starkville at Duty Noble for that one. And I've seen Vanderbilt play in the SEC Conference Championship in Hoover, but I've yet to see a Vanderbilt baseball game. That's on my bucket list. Again, it's the College World Series, Vandy and Mississippi State, Game 2. More news from Music City. More sports news from Music City. And the NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman announced Monday that there's going to be a NHL Stadium Series event in Music City at Nissan Stadium. And this will be on February 26th. And it's going to be an all-Dixie NHL contest. This is going to be great. And it could have the two-time defending NHL champion in it. It's at least going to have a recent NHL winner as the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Nashville Predators will be having a stadium series event in Music City February 26th of 2022. This is where they play outside, y'all. This is where you can go hang out on 2nd Avenue and Lower Broadway and go across the Cumberland to Nissan Stadium and see hockey outside. I'm even intrigued by that. I'm ready for that one. And this is going to be truly an outdoor stadium, unlike some of these events where they've had these things at stadiums that have the roof that cover up and you're not going to have horrible, horrible weather. But, yes, the NHL Stadium Series coming to Smashville in February of 2022 when the Predators and the Tampa Bay Lightning get together. And as I said, the Lightning might be riding into Nash Vegas on a two-game Stanley Cup champion run because right now Tampa Bay is in the NHL's championship round, the Stanley Cup Finals, and they currently lead the Canadiens, eh? They lead Montreal 1-0 after picking up a game one win on Monday. And now Tampa Bay with that 8-0 stomping. They routed. I'm sorry, that was that was last week. Oops. I better stick to my things I know about. They played a game on the 20th. They did win 5-1. Okay, they did they beat the I think the Islanders in a recent game 8-0. Tampa Bay beat Montreal 5-1 on Monday. And now that NHL Stanley Cup Series continues on. There's no game there today. On Wednesday, these two get back together in Tampa at Amali Arena, and it's game two of the Stanley Cup Finals between the Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning. NBA basketball, game number, what was it? Uh, let's see, each series a little bit different. It's, it's game five that was held on Monday between the Clippers and the Suns, and Phoenix dropped that one. L.A. stays alive, 116-102, the final, as Paul George had 41 points to lead L.A., the Clippers, to a victory, and they were able to survive and play for another day as Game 6 will be played between the Suns and the Clippers. On the Eastern Conference side of things, they're now getting ready for Game 4. Currently, Milwaukee has a 2-1 series lead in that one. And that game is set for this evening from State Farm Arena in downtown Atlanta. TNT has the coverage of the Bucks and Hawks 
Game 4, set to tip off at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central Time. Speaking of Atlanta and sports, former Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket turned NFL great wide receiver Bay Bay Thomas, Demarius Thomas, has announced he will be retiring from the NFL and he's going to retire as a Denver Bronco as he made this decision, announcing it on the Denver Broncos' official social media accounts and put out a little video. The 33-year-old will be honored by the Broncos during their home opener against the New York Jets as he will leave the NFL as a Denver Bronco. Thomas played 10 seasons overall, finished with 724 catches for just shy of 10,000 yards, and he also had 63 touchdowns. He's had some foot injuries and more that sideline him, but again, part of that great run that Denver had with Peyton Manning at QB, and they went on to win a Super Bowl some five years ago with Thomas there as a wideout, and he's going to leave the NFL, this former Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket, leaving the NFL after 10 years, and we wish him all the best in retirement. And a feel-good story coming from Yankee Land, and I do mean Yankee Land, and it's a really good story. Going on today, if you catch any kind of sports today, you're likely going to see the story of Gwen Goldman, and she's going to be an honorary Batgirl for the New York Yankees. Now, Gwen Goldman is the ripe young age of 70, and she's going to be a Batgirl for the Bronx Bombers today, and it comes after waiting 60 years for the chance to be a Batgirl for her favorite baseball team. She actually kept a letter from 1961 where the New York Yankees at that time turned her down as she wanted to become a Batgirl for her beloved New York Yankees. They turned her down. Can you imagine turning down a girl to be a Bat Boy? Well, that's what the New York Yankees did back in 1961. And so today at Yankee Stadium, as the Yanks and the L.A. Angels get together, she's going to be a Batgirl. Now, she's now 70. She retired back in 2017 as a social worker. She lives in Connecticut now. And she's going to get to be a Batgirl for her favorite baseball team. Ah, That's a pretty sweet story. And good on the Yankees. Certainly a a feel-good story. And good on this lady, Gwen Goldman. At 70 years old, going to be a Batgirl. But more importantly, for 60 years, since she was 10 years old, she's actually kept this letter that the New York Yankees mailed her to tell her, little Gwen, sorry, You can't be a bat boy because you're a girl. And now, 60 years later, that team that sent her that letter, they're sending her a telegram now saying, Gwen, come on down. It might be 60 years in the making, but you can be a bat girl for the New York Yankees, at least for one game, even if you're 70 years young. That's a sweet story we're passing along here, even if it is for the hated New York Yankees. Yeah, most of the South should be against that team. I am. (laughs) All right. When we come back on the y'all, we're for the Tampa Bay Rays here because that's our Southern team and the Orioles aren't too bad either. They're right there on the edge of the South. When we come back on the y'all show, we've got hashtag Hullablues, some Southern social media fun 
It's up next. Before the hour's up, we also have a Southern Political Report. Stay tuned. into y'all this is hashtag huddle blue on the show that's all about the south this is where we take time to go scan twitter instagram facebook and more and find really good information that we want to pass along to you and if you've got something that we just kind of miss out on and you want to share it with us we are certainly asking for your help to because there's no limit of what's on social media you know that right you can email us if you'd like to. Mail, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com is the way to get in touch with the show that's all about the South. And on Twitter, we go to stephengees.com, at Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-G-E-E-Z. Stephen G's writes, The Rise and Fall of a Construction Giant by Dick Farrar Jr. Now, Stephen G's, by the way, is an author. He is an editor and also evidently likes to critique books, and that's what he's done here with this book out by Dick Farrar Jr., The Rise and Fall of a Construction Giant. So now that Stephen G's has kind of given us a heads up on this book that's available, if you want to read more of a business book out there, we go to the Elk Valley Times. That's in Fettville, Tennessee. That's southern middle Tennessee, right above Huntsville, Alabama. And Dick Farrar Jr. is a Fayetteville, Tennessee resident, and he writes about what was once one of the country's leading construction companies, CFW Construction. And this book came out recently, and this book is dedicated to the men and women who worked long hours leaving their families on Sunday afternoons or at sunrise Monday mornings to travel to their respective project sites only to return late Friday evening to spend just a few hours with family. That, according to the opening pages of this book, as it talks about how this company got started back in the 1950s, again, based out of Fayetteville, Tennessee, but ultimately, in the 1990s, CFW Construction in the Middle Tennessee portion of the state came under federal scrutiny as a federal criminal investigation went into a bid-rigging practice that had happened with the company. And this investigation held as one of the largest antitrust cases in American history. And I think you'd see the writing in the pages of this book as this one of the largest antitrust cases in the country brought down this company. And what happened? You can read all about it in this book available right now. Dick Farrar writing about the 40-year run that this CFW construction had in American business. And it was likely greed that got them, got the best of them. And this 318-page history of the company chronicles that. And you can go find a copy for yourself. Again, the book is called The Rise and Fall of a Construction Giant, The History, People, and Stories of CFW Construction, written by Dick Farrar, Jr., 
And you can go read a review of this, elkvalleytimes.com, Fayetteville. But if you're local, it's Fetful, Tennessee. Check that out. And we appreciate the heads up on this more of a business book available if you want to get your business reading in and learn how even the giants can fall. And that's what happened with CFW Construction, Fayetteville, Tennessee. We got more of the Y'all Show coming up after the break. We're going to give you a quick look at Southern politics and tell you about three of the lionesses of Southern politics in the South. This is Y'all. on y'all talk with a southern accent wrapping up this first hour with a look at southern politics and we're going to talk about three lovely ladies all in their mid-40s two republican one democrat here as we have a little southern political report here on this show all about the south i am general john rawls csa certified southern american and the first lady that i'm going to bring up and talk about is marjorie green some call her mtg she is the new congressman from Georgia's 14th district. I know you know who she's is. she is if you've seen anything related to politics in the last couple of months. Did you know she was born in the old state capital of the Peach State? She was born in Milledgeville in 1974. She is 47 years young. She is married to Perry Green, and they have three children. She has a degree from the University of Georgia. I think she grew up in the cumming area she went to south forsyth high school there in cumming georgia before going on to uga and getting her degree in 1996 she's very outspoken obviously but she's also outspoken about her business career she's owned a crossfit gym she's on she owns a construction company she loves to talk about how she's a, a female business owner and she's also became become a lightning rod if you will in conservative politics So much so that this woman with a heavy southern accent was just asked over the weekend to appear at a Donald Trump rally in Cleveland, Ohio, or outside of Cleveland. And we're going to have some audio now of Marjorie Greene talking before this big crowd. It was Donald Trump's first, almost like the good old days, rally with lots of people cheering him on in an outdoor setting. And Marjorie Green went on stage 45 minutes before the president, the former president, arrived. Here's what she said. Marjorie Green over the weekend in Ohio. Because in the halls of Congress every single day, I'm fighting for you, America. Now, let me give you just a few reasons why the D.C. swamp hates me so much. Because I want to impeach Joe Biden. Throw him out. And I want to expel Maxine Waters. 
and I want to fire Dr. Anthony Fauci. You know, there's a lot of people that need to be fired. Did you hear that, Tony? They want you locked up. <laughs> you guys are awesome. I tell you what, Washington, D.C. cannot connect with real America. They have no idea how you think and feel. Nothing. So here's what's going on. Let me fill you guys in. While we're in the minority in Washington, D.C., and uh, the, the Democrats end. are running the country or they're not running their country, and we really have no, uh, no idea what they're doing. I don't think Biden knows what he's doing, does he? No. And that was Congressman Marjorie Greene from Saturday as she spoke in the Cleveland area at a Donald Trump get-together as the president went on stage about 45 minutes after she was up there. She got the biggest applause of any of the speakers that were there Saturday. She got a lot of people cheering. And did you hear who they mostly went after, that crowd, when she brought up that they needed to fire Anthony Fauci? That more than Maxine Waters, that more than even Joe Biden. And Tony Fauci is certainly somebody Marjorie Greene is not a big fan of. But that's just one of the females in their 40s that we're spotlighting here on today's Y'all Show. We're going to switch now from Republicans to Democrats. Have you heard of Nikki Freed? She is a lawyer, and she is she's a lawyer, <laughs> which is not what Marjorie Green is. Nikki Freed is a lawyer, and I stole that one, by the way, from, what is it, uh, the guy that's the host of uh, People's Court. The, guy, the, the production company he has, I think it says there on the closing credits, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I love that. But we're talking about Nikki Freed. She's a lawyer, but she's also currently Florida's 12th commissioner of agriculture. She's been in that position since 2019. She's a member of the Democratic Party, a graduate of the University of Florida, go Gators, class of 2003. And again, she is the commissioner of agriculture. She is the only Democrat to have statewide office in Florida. She is really the only one now. She's been the only one in recent years. The 43-year-old Nikki Freed does not have children and is not married. She's been in a long-time relationship, and that actually has been a little bit of a controversy here recently. But she grew up in South Florida. She graduated from Miami Palmetto High School. She went on to be at the University of Florida, student body president, and got her degree in political science and her master's degree in political campaigning. Well, that's coming in handy. She also got a law degree from the UF in 2003. So she has multiple degrees from the University of Florida. Then she ran for the Florida Commissioner of Agriculture, and she won that position in the 2018 election. She won by just a few thousand votes, but she won, to her credit, and now she is running for governor of Florida. She'll be facing former Florida Governor Charlie Crist in a Democratic primary. 
But if she wins, she'll go against Ron DeSantis to be governor of the Sunshine State. Nikki Freed. And we're going to hear from her now. She was just interviewed by CBSN's Elaine Kehoe. And we've got some audio from that that you'll get to hear a little bit more about this rising star on the Democratic side from right here in the South, Nikki Freed, candidate for the governor of Florida for 2022. Here is she is being interviewed again on CBSN. Yeah, every single day is what I'm doing. I, I'm fighting for the people and taking the message right to them. And so in 2018, I did win by you know less than 7,000 votes, but it's a seat that typically Republicans win by 17 points. Uh, so knowing that I have an opportunity to crisscross our state, uh, talking to parts of our state that histor- historically Democrats have not talked to, our rural communities, uh, as Ag Commissioner, I've been able to get in there, uh, talk with what is going on in agriculture. And so what we've been doing is really spending a lot of time rebuilding the infrastructure, talking about messaging. Because what Democrats do well is we do a lot of grassroots, but unfortunately we haven't done it consistently throughout the entire year, not just right before the elections. So I've been spending a lot of time with our party leadership, both in the the county level, the city level, our elected officials, and say in order for us to win in 2022 and beyond, we need to make sure that we have a message that we are consistently messaging, and that we have a trusted messenger. And those are things that we haven't done. And it's also about bringing everybody together. And that means that all of our House members, our senators, um, people from my office, myself, um, as well as the rest of our ticket, have to be communicating in one unifying voice. And we haven't seen that here in the state of Florida in the Democratic Party in, in almost 20 plus years. We've had 24 years of straight Republican leadership in the state of Florida. Since 1994 was the last time that a Democrat was elected to governor of the state of Florida. And I know that with the vision that I have, and quite honestly, that's a correct message. You know, we've had 24 years where every single time the people of our, of our state have voted for constitutional amendments, it gets dismantled by special interests in the legislators up in Tallahassee. So what I'm asking for the people of our state is to come unite with me. Let's break this system that is not working for the people. Look at our unemployment system. Look at our education system. Our overall economy is based on our top one percenters and our low income communities have been left behind. So when we have a consistent message, consistently messaging and a trusted messenger, we will win in 2022 and that was nikki freed candidate for governor in florida in 2022 she's currently the sunshine state's agricultural commissioner and she was being interviewed there on cbsn a talented democratic lawmaker and perhaps a rising star certainly at least in florida but more across the country especially if she somehow can upset ron DeSantis if she is the democratic nominee in 2022 let's talk about another nikki and another female and another female in their 40s nikki haley former governor of south carolina former ambassador to the un and the trump administration she was in iowa of all places this past weekend testing the waters as she's looking to maybe run for president in 2024 say it ain't so yeah she's definitely saying to president trump Hint, hint, president, please don't run. I, I want to be president, so stay out of it. It's my turn. I, I, I'm think, I think that's what Nikki Haley's saying. But she was speaking in Iowa to the Republican Party of Iowa's Lincoln Dinner on Thursday of last week, and she called out Democrats and their socialist agenda. She called for a boycott of the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics as part of her speech there in Iowa. 
And she, again, is in a place that is one of your early places to go be a presidential candidate. Nikki Haley looking to get into the race of president, perhaps, in 2024, I do believe. Speaking of presidents and President Trump, he is going to be in the public eye a little bit, at least in the Sarasota area. He's got a big rally schedule there on on July 3rd, the day before the 4th of July, and then a fireworks show to follow. He was supposed to be in Mobile at Battleship Park, but an event there, a rally, canceled amid concerns of a partisan political event. Well, of course it's going to be partisan if any political candidate goes to that. But yes, the president was supposed to go campaign in Mobile, where he had his gigantic rally when he was just getting started back in 2015 there at Lad People Stadium. That ended up being a springboard for the excitement behind a Trump campaign. And now this park there at the USS Alabama denying the president to come there and have what they call a partisan political event. I don't think that's going to go over well in Alabama, which is definitely Trump country. Another former president in the news, President Barack Obama, he says the U.S. Senate will vote again on voting rights. Remember, they just had a filibuster that kept that vote from going forward. But the president on Monday said he believes the Senate will hold a new vote on the Democratic voting rights bill that Republicans blocked. Speaking to supporters in his first fundraising call since the 2020 elections, the 44th president teamed up with Nancy Pelosi and Eric Holder to call for support of the National Democratic Redistricting Committee, a.k.a. NDRC. And there he hinted that he thinks this thing's going to come up before a vote again. You know what, President Obama? I think you're right, because that's the way it works. And they're not going to give up. They're going to keep pushing forward to make that thing, the For the People Act, become reality one of these days. They're going to keep trying and keep trying. That's just my expert opinion and i know a lot about barack obama i think we all do relentless would be one of the words i'd use for him when we come back on the y'all show we got a whole nother hour of talk about the south we're going to do that we're going to talk about grilling for the fourth of july too all that part of the fun stay with us We are set to bring you another hour chock full of Southern fun and more. I'm John Rawl. Thank you for tuning in, y'all, the show that's all about the South, broadcasting on incredible radio stations and broadcasting in podcast form as well. Let me remind you how you can catch the y'all show in podcast form. Go ahead, jot it down if you'd like to. We're available at y'all.com. That is the South's homepage. And if you go to y'all.com, right there at the very top, a big bright red box that says Y'all Show is staring you right in the face. Just click on that, and when you do that, you'll see the audio podcast available for you to listen to. Then you'll see also yours truly and his shining face greeting you with video interviews with some of our great guests that appear on the y'all show so you can watch the y'all show then 
You can find the Y'all Show podcast form on Apple Podcasts. Just go into Apple Podcasts and search Y'all Show. We're on Stitcher. We are in the TuneIn app. We're on the iHeartRadio app. We're just taking over, kind of like kudzu's doing this time of year. And that's what we do here at Y'all. We are becoming the South's go-to show. We're all about the South. We're all about Y'all. And we hope that Y'all are all about Y'all, too. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen to us, whether it's on one of our incredible radio stations or if it's in podcast form. Thank you so much for being a part of Y'all. We've got a great hour here. Not only are we going to tell you about some of the entertainment goings-on, from the Spears family to the BET Awards to some good old Louisiana boy Trace Atkins news, all that coming up. And I'm going to tell you about something that I just got a press release on before I hit the show, and I'm excited. And I don't normally get so excited I want to go book tickets, but I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to go see this act in concert because I didn't know they were going to do this concert thing again. I'll let you know about that before we get out of here, this entertainment report. But also here this hour of the Y'all Show, Matt Hermans will be dropping by. He is our barbecue barrister. He's got the 4th of July on his mind, and our barbecue barrister is going to talk about grilling hot dogs and steaks. All that in our next segment of Talk with a Southern Accent. 803-816-1170. That's how you can text us. And let us know what's going on in your portion of Dixie on this beautiful Tuesday, at least in portions of the South. It is beautiful. Some of you are getting hit by this tropical storm that hit the Carolina coast in the last 24 hours. And so it might be a little soggy out there. Carry your umbrella, if you will, when you hit the outdoors today. Let's get into the entertainment headlines to start off our number two. And we're going to bring you the latest developing story in the Spears family. As we know from reports here, and I know y'all been paying attention, Britney Spears, she's been fighting this conservatorship going on in California between she and her daddy. And now, Britney's little sis, Jamie Lynn, says she supports her sister's request to end the conservatorship between Britney and her own father. Jamie Lynn saying she's proud of Britney for speaking out at a hearing last week in which the singer called for an end to her abusive court-ordered conservatorship. And let's not forget about Jamie Lynn. She's an actress. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about her in a second, but this actress and singer, just like her older sister, saying on Instagram Monday, now that she's very clearly spoken and said what she needed to say, I feel like I can follow her lead and say what I need to say. And Jamie Lynn said she had previously spoken to her sister about hiring a new attorney. And she's out here saying in this Instagram post, I'm so proud of her for using her voice. I'm so proud of her for requesting new counsel, like I told her many years ago. Oh, not in a public platform, but just in a personal conversation between two sisters. If ending the conservatorship and flying to Mars or whatever the hell else she wants to do to be happy, I support that 100% because I support my sister. I love my sister. Always have. Always will. 
that written by Jamie Lynn Spears. Now, this is all based on this conservatorship dictated by the courts in California that essentially puts her dad in charge of Britney's fortune. Jamie Spears somehow got the control. Britney had a lot of problems. I think we could all safely say without offending anyone, the Spears family has been a train wreck, to put it lightly. And so now that age has maybe matured some of these members of this family a little bit, I hope it has, they're trying to make sense. And I hope Brittany does have her act together. I mean, she's got a couple of kids. She's not a kid herself anymore. And it's time for everybody to grow up and get off of whatever's making them not be as mature as they should be. And I like how Jamie Lynn ended her Instagram post with these words. Maybe I don't didn't support the way the public would like me to with a hashtag on a public platform, but I can assure you that I support my sister long before there was a hashtag, and I'll support her long after. Let's keep praying, that's all. From good old Mississippi-born, Louisiana-raised, Jamie Lynn Spears, who again says that she supports her older sister, Brittany, 100%. Always have, always will. Let's talk about Jamie Lynn Spears. Jamie Lynn is now 30. She was born in Macomb, April of 1991. She went to Park Lane Academy, that is in Macomb, Mississippi, private school there, part of the Mississippi Private School Association. And she went to school there, which is 15, 20 miles north of Kentwood, which is the Spears' hometown. And then after Brittany became this international superstar, Jamie Lynn started getting into the spotlight more and more. And she started acting. And she started acting in Zoe 101. That was filmed in L.A. She ended up getting her degree, her high school degree, if you will, not from Park Lane and in that portion of Macomb, Mississippi, but she got her GED back in 2008 through the Tangipoa Parish School System Adult Education Center. That is Kentwood's Parish, Tangipoa Parish, Hammond, Louisiana, is the county or <laughs> parish seat. Oops. Jamie Lynn, more of an actress than a singer, although she has gone to Nashville and recorded and more, and she fancies herself as a country music singer nothing wrong with that love it and again she's been in films even going back to 2002 when she was in a movie called crossroads but her role is really more on tv as i said she was in zoe 101 that was the lead role she had on that series that lasted four seasons she also was in a regular of sweet magnolias that's out right now. She appears in that Sweet Magnolias TV series. She was in an episode of Double Dare, if you saw that one. And she's also been a singer. She put out a record in 2014 that went to 23 on the country charts, an album called The Journey on Sweet Jamie Music was the label for that. And her single from that time period, How Could I Want More, went to... 55 on the country airplay chart, 29 on the country sales chart from Jamie Lynn Spears. 
And, of course, she's known for what she's been doing acting-wise. She's known for her role as Brittany's younger sister, the 30-year-old now, Jamie Lynn Spears. I guess Brittany is several years older than here. If Jamie Lynn is 30, Brittany is currently 39. So there's a almost decade apart from the two. But Jamie Lynn got to be very famous whenever she became pregnant and had a baby at 16 years old. That really kind of sidetracked her for a while. I'm not so sure she's kind of got out of that stigma of being a teenage mom. And she's had two kids now. She's got two children. She's been with, going back to the, I guess the baby daddy was Casey Aldridge, who I think was a good old Mississippi fella that she was with back in the time period she had her child at 16. And then she's been together with Jamie Watson since 2014. I don't know exactly who Jamie Watson is, but she married him in New Orleans and gave birth to a second daughter, Ivy Joan Watson, in 2018. But she's you know often doing her thing, and she's in support of her sister, Jamie Lynn Spears. That's enough Spears gossip for the day, don't you think? I think so. Let's talk about the BET Awards. That was just held, and we've got a listing of the winners of this year's BET Awards, which honor black excellence in entertainment and sports. And that was held Sunday, the BET Awards. The album of the year goes to... Hotels, H-E-A-U-X, Hotels from Jasmine Sullivan. The best female R&B pop artist, H-E-R, the winner of that. The best male R&B pop artist goes to Chris Brown. Best female hip-hop artist, Megan Thee Stallion. Have you pulled out your Megan Thee Stallion album today and given a spin? You should. The best male hip-hop artist, Lil Baby. Little baby beat out the baby for that one. Best new artist in the BET Awards, Give On, or Givian. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. That's the winner of the best new artist category. The best collaboration was WAP, and that's Cardi B featuring Megan the Stallion, winner of that one. Best group award goes to Silk Sonic. The Dr. Bobby Jones Best Gospel Inspirational Award at the BET Awards went to Kirk Franklin and Strong God. The BET H-E-R Award goes to SZA for Good Days. The Viewer's Choice Award at the BET Awards went to Megan Thee Stallion featuring Beyonce with, with the Savage Remix. That was a big winner there. The Music Video of the Year at the BET Awards went to Cardi B featuring Megan Thee Stallion for WAP. The Video Director of the Year Award, it went to Bruno Mars and Florent Deschard. Video directors, plural, there. The best international act winner was Burna Boy from Nigeria. The best movie, Judas and the Black Messiah, winner of the BET Awards. That beat out coming to America. Are you kidding me? The best actress, Andra Day. The best actor, Chadwick Boseman, the late Chadwick Boseman, Anderson, South Carolina native. The Young Stars Award went to Marseille Martin. The Sports Woman of the Year Award went to Naomi Osaka of Japan. Sportsman of the Year Award went to LeBron James. He beat out Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook and Russell Wilson, too. 
even beat out Patrick Mahomes for Sportsman of the Year. That the BET Awards held Sunday. If you missed that, might be worth TiVoing next year. The CMT Music Awards, they're not going to be on C, uh, CMT in 2022. What? This is called the CMT Music Awards. And next year, in 2022, they will be televised probably on CMT. But they're also going to be televised on CBS. As Viacom announcing that the CMT Music Awards will have its global premiere next year on the iNetwork. How about that? Another country music award show getting the primetime national television audience on broadcast television. The CMT Music Awards on CBS. Naomi Judd is getting honored. She will be inducted into the Women's Songwriters Hall of Fame. She is a songwriter, singer, a mama, and a good old Kentucky girl. She wrote, did you know that Naomi Judd wrote Love Can Build a Bridge, one of the Judd's most famous songs? She wrote that with her daughter, Winona, and when they were both part of the Judd's. And she had other songwriting credits to her name and at the Hall of Fame's inaugural event in Washington, D.C., this Hall of Fame for Women Songwriters, Naomi Judd inducted alongside Roberta Flack, Valerie Simpson, Mary Chapin Carpenter also inducted, and Veryl Howard, all part of the Women Songwriters Hall of Fame and induction ceremony held this past weekend in D.C., and Naomi Judd, one of the inductees. Congratulations. Trace Atkins is getting ready to release the 25th anniversary album, The Way I Want to Go. Can y'all believe it's been 25 years since there's a girl in Texas and every light on the in the house is on? From the tall one, the tall drink of water from North Louisiana, former Louisiana Tech Bulldog football player Trace Atkins, 25-year anniversary and his album, The Way I Want to Go. Tracks on this album include a track with Luke Bryan and Pitbull called Where the Country Girls At. Not exactly the best of English. I don't know if he learned that in the class at La Tech or not. But Trace Atkins, a guy who's survived gunshots to become a country music hit maker with songs like Honky Tonk but Donka Donk. This album coming out August 27th from Trace Atkins. And I'm trying, Sarepta. Sarepta is the town he is from in North Louisiana and has been a longtime Middle Tennessee resident. Trace Atkins, 25 years in the music business. Way to go. Now to what I was telling about early when we came down to covering the entertainment headlines of the day. I got an email just hours ago from the publicist for the group Alabama. Alabama is launching a multi-city 50th anniversary tour. If you thought Trace Atkins' 25 years was pretty impressive, how about Randy, Teddy, and Jeff launching a 50th anniversary tour that kicks off July 2nd and 3rd at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville? It's a 50th anniversary tour of the group Alabama. I am excited. They're going to have a lot of special guests throughout this tour, people like Martina McBride, Travis Tritt, the Marshall Tucker Band, and more, and it's a 
anniversary tour. Nashville's up first. I'm scanning here Orange Beach, August 6th at the Wharf. Pelham at the Oak Mountain Amphitheater, August 7th. Charlotte at Spectrum Center is August 13th. They'll be in Bristol in Tennessee on August 14th. Other southern stops include Oklahoma City on September 17th. Raleigh, October 7th. They'll be at the North Charleston Coliseum in Charleston, South Carolina on October 8th. Fort Worth at Dickey's Arena on October 22nd. In Tulsa, October 23rd. They'll be in Savannah at the Savannah Civic Center December 5th. Come on, guys. I don't see a Myrtle Beach date. you got to go back to your roots in Myrtle Beach or even in Fort Payne. I don't see those dates listed here. Columbia SC, they'll be with Martina McBride there at the home of the Gamecocks, Colonial Life Arena, January 21st of next year. They'll be at the home of the Florida State Seminoles, January 22nd. They'll be in Tallahassee at the Donald L. Tucker Civic Center. And that is their final stop, at least for now, on their Again, 50th anniversary tour from the group Alabama. They'll be dancing, shagging on the boulevard for that great tour that's getting set to take place. So that's all we got from an entertainment standpoint to wrap up things here in this second hour of the Y'all Show. I have a lot to cover from Jamie Lynn to Alabama. When we come back on the Y'all Show, Matt Hermans has the barbecue beat covered. He's going to actually be talking today about 4th of July cooking, which includes hot dogs and steaks. Woo, get your taste buds all ready for this one. It's going to be awesome. Matt Hermans, our barrister, is up next on Talk with a Southern Accent. That will give everybody just the opportunity to enjoy great food and, and get together with friends and family and more. And here at the Y'all Show with John Rawl, we're going to have a little pick-me-up right now getting us ready for the 4th of July. As our buddy Matt Hermans, the barbecue barrister, is back on here to talk grilling. I'm going to ask him about grilling steaks for this holiday weekend. But also, i got a little special surprise over here beside me. And it's a prop, and I'm going to bring it out and let him weigh in on how to get these bad boys cooked up this weekend. But without further ado, let's go to our big guy at the barbecue grill, Matt Hermans. Hello, and happy 4th of July week to you, sir. Hey, John. Happy 4th to you as well. Well, thank you very much. I know this has to go down as one of the biggest days on your calendar, 4th of July weekend, not just because of uh, a supposed day back in 1776, but getting together and having a little cue. 
Yeah, it, it really is. Um, I would say, I was going to think, there, there, are, there are a few kind of national get-out-and-grill-or-fire-up-the-pit the type days. This has got to be, if mm-hmm. not the number one. Well, I would say it's probably the number one. Probably the number one day for you know people just think about getting fired up, getting the grill fired up, and putting some uh, putting some meat on there, and, and putting some meat to fire. So, yeah, you got other days. Memorial Day, that's a big one. But Fourth of July is it's the grilling day. It is the grilling day for sure. Yeah. Well, we're gonna be on to talk about it now. When we had you on the other day, we had you discuss. We talked about steaks, and you discussed how you had your favorite being ribeye, and. If you don't mind, I'd like to kind of start things out today talking about taking it to the next position, and that would be how do we get these steaks when you have your choice of meat picked out? What do you do to get them ready before they go on the grill? Very, very simple. Um, you want to season them well. And the rule the rule for seasoning steaks, and here's the thing. Um, some people marinate steaks. Uh, some people will oil up a steak and then season it. Um, my personal method is just meat seasoning and hot fire. That's it. Now, uh, the seasoning is very, very important. Obviously, you don't want you don't want an underseasoned steak, even a perfectly cooked steak. It doesn't have the right amount of seasoning, whether that's salt and pepper. That's kind of what I gravitate to is just straight salt and pepper. But there's all kinds of different steak seasonings that have black pepper and garlic, and there's all kinds of different things, chili powder. We all kind of know. We've seen different steak seasonings at the the local grocery store. But you want that right amount of seasoning on the steak. You want that crust, but you want the right amount of salt because even a perfectly cooked steak without the right amount of salt is bland. Salt and beef, um, they're friends. They're real good friends. Um, And you want them to come together, and you want them to be together. So... Seasoning is important. You can't go wrong with with just seasoning up your steak and putting it directly on a very, very hot fire. Uh, The thing to remember about seasoning your steak, whether you like straight salt, whether you like salt and pepper, whether you like a store-bought steak rub or whatever you you tend to like, um, stay away from sugar. Uh, Sugar and beef on a steak, you don't want that. You don't want a sweet rub. You don't want a barbecue-type rub on a steak. Why? It's just doesn't – you don't want a sweet steak. Um, it just doesn't work very well. Now, there are different types of meat that can be sweet, um, different types of marinades, like a teriyaki maybe. That's kind of a Japanese-style flavor profile, sweet and spicy. If you're going for a good old-fashioned Fourth of July steak, you just don't want sugar. Sugar goes great with pork. It's very questionable on beef. So when you think about a nice steak, some of the best steaks you've ever had, it's a salty kind of an herbal, kind of a deep, savory type flavor. But nothing, if you have a rub that you like on ribs or on pork butt that has a lot of sugar, brown sugar in it, keep that away from the steak. You want it to be primarily salt and other flavors. So uh, the thicker the steak, the more the seasoning. The thinner the steak, the the, 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 the less the seasoning. Uh, so you've got to adjust it. If you've got a nice fat ribeye, you know, three-quarters of an inch through, you want to put a nice amount of rub and kind of pat it down in there to make sure you get the right salt level. Because that's a lot of meat between top and bottom where you've got the seasoning. And you want Bar- that flavor Barrister, to go I got my pen out. I need you to repeat that so I can write this down. About uh, Say that again about your little motto, thicker. Absolutely. The thicker the steak, the, the more seasoning you want to put on there, particularly a fat steak. A fat steak has a lot more meat between the top with the rub 
in the bottom with the rub. So um, the fatter your steak, the more the seasoning. You really need to layer it on there. And the best thing to do is to kind of pat it in, kind of like you're seasoning a hamburger where you kind of smash it into the meat. Put the rub on there, smash it into your steak just a little bit to get it down into that meat. But okay. I did not learn steak. that in, in my primary learning. I don't know how I missed that on that uh, advice there. I know, man. They should have a 13th grade for this type of stuff, honestly. And then what was uh, the other yeah, little thin thing? Steak. What's that? Th- there was something else, another little catchphrase I heard you say. Yeah, the thinner the steak, the, the you know, thin steak, thin seasoning. Thick steak, thick seasoning. That's, that'll get you through. Okay. That'll get you through. I'm ready for my SAT now. All right, nail it. Okay, or ACT, depending on which side of the Mississippi River you're on. That's true. I don't know which they do anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think so. a lot of places, they're telling you now you don't even have to have that to get into college because of the pandemic. Speaking of the pandemic, while we're talking about juicy steaks and more, what's the latest in terms of availability of, of steak, and has the price gone way up in the last three months? I don't think the prices have gone up necessarily, but your availability is a little bit different. I know that um, we, we have had we have never had a meat shortage where I live, uh, but the meat selection has been up and down. Put it that way. So, for instance, there have been times where I want a ribeye, there's no ribeye, or you know, there's maybe a sirloin, or if I want a strip, there's no strip. There's never been out of meat, uh, but the prices have remained about the same. Um, now, I can tell you that the um, a lot of the shopping, a lot of the meat that I like to buy, I get from meat markets, which we've kind of talked about before, which kind of source their meat from smaller local farms. And from what I can understand, those places have not been as hit by the pandemic. A lot of these smaller farms just have a few employees, maybe the owner of the farm, maybe people in the family that work it. Uh, and one of these bigger agricultural operations will have hundreds of employees that have been affected by the pandemic. So, um, have had no issue whatsoever with my local meat market. Have had a little bit of issue with Kroger, but I haven't noticed a whole lot of pricing differences like gouging. I haven't seen any of that personally in my area. All right. Well, always good to know that you can get your get your meat ready for the Fourth of July. We're talking to our barbecue barrister Matt Hermans right now, and this is our conversation that we have at y'all dot com and the y'all show. And so we know now, based on what you told us about the seasoning, we if you didn't catch our last time that we were together, we walked through all the different cuts of steak options, and he declared here his love of the ribeye. I'm more of a, I won't call it a New York strip because I don't like saying that I like anything <laughs> from New York, but I do like me a little strip from time to time. But whatever your choice is, we've got all the great insight on the best cuts of steak for you in our previous conversation. So rewind, if you will, or go find us at y'all.com on YouTube or wherever you, and you, you can see that past conversation talking about steak. We have another, another meat choice specific to the 4th of July that we're going to talk to you about barrister. Before we do that, I want you to go ahead and give your final closing argument on steak specifically for the 4th of July. Anything else you need to just tell us before we, we come down with a gavel on this one. All right. I'm going to pretend like I got a jury out there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I would say good meat. You don't want to cover up the taste of good meat when it comes to steak. I, I am, when it comes to steak, I am a, uh, I don't want to say simpleton. That comes off wrong. I like, I'm a purist. So I like salt and I like a little bit of black pepper. And I like high heat. I like charcoal. 
I think that gives you the best flavor. I'm a medium rare guy. I think anything past medium rare starts to get into the realm of, um, well, people have their different preferences. Put it that way. I'm a medium rare guy. Mm-hmm. I think simple seasoning, salt, pepper, I think hot charcoal. It's the way to go. That's the way I like it. All right. And that's your, your closing argument, eh? Absolutely. I'm going to leave. Give it to the jury. All go, right. go, go deliberate this next weekend. How about that? <laughs> I like it. And we'll have more with our barbecue barrister after this comment. In a hot dog stand, I'm making them hot dogs as fast as you can. Up steps, the cat yells, Don't be slow, and get me two hot dogs ready to go. Hot dog, she's my baby. Hot dog, drives me crazy. Hot dog, I don't mean baby, well, you ought to see my baby at the hot dog stand. But in the cool of the evening, when the sun goes down, all the chicks and the cats all are gathering around. Out of hot dogs and red soda pop And head down the road to a hip cat hop Hot dog, she's my baby Hot dog, drives me crazy Hot dog, don't mean maybe Well, you ought to see my baby hit the hot dog stand Matt Herman, the barbecue barrister Is back on here to talk grilling Now, for the next meat choice barbecue barrister I got a prop here And that prop would be right here Hot dogs. These are Nathan's beef hot dogs. And a lot of people like to have burgers and hot dogs on the 4th of July. Maybe a steak and a hot dog. All the great choices you have when it comes to the 4th of July. And unfortunately, Nathan's, I don't know why, I had to pay for this. We don't like to pay for things here in our barbecue barrister spotlight. So let's make sure in the future we're uh, well taken care of with our hot dogs. But I did say that those are beef hot dogs, and I want to get, is there some kind of difference when you are when you got them out on the grill, the difference between maybe a, a beef hot dog or maybe the chicken slash pork or whatever else kind of meat they come up with for, for hot dogs? Uh, yeah, it's just the, just the filling. Uh, so when you think of a, I'm going to try to do the, the hot dog. I'm not sure I could pull that one off, but, uh, you know, it's funny that you have the Nathans because that's uh, – don't they do that competition do. in New York? They do. York? And I can't remember. Is that a 4th of July or Memorial Day? I, it's, it might be 4th of July. I don't know. I think if it might be the 4th. I think I, we might have that coming up. So. I can't imagine they're having it with everything going on with this virus. But uh, in no, honor of Nathans, yeah, that's no, true. Joey or whatever I, Joey, whatever his name is that loves to down those things, he'll just have to put off yeah, the Yeah, what is it? I think it's Joey, Joey Chestnut, yeah. right? And I think he's from the South. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's a, he, that dude's dominant. He's a, he's certainly the king. But, yeah, so most hot dogs, when you think of a hot dog, you know, you've had as a kid or growing up or you go to the ballpark, I would bet that nine times out of ten it's a pork hot dog. And most hot dogs are made out of pork or mixed uh, pork and, and beef or something like that. Most hot dogs, if it just says hot dog or Frank or whatever, Frankfurter, going to be pork based so a beef hot dog is different i think um some of that comes from you know some people just whether eat beef than pork they have a you know they don't like the pig as much and i think other you know some people just can't eat they have a religious issue that they can't eat pork so uh beef hot dogs are not uncommon for sure 
you can find them at any grocery store, but I think most hot dogs are, are pork. The difference is, as far as the cook, it really doesn't have any, and there are, there are chicken hot dogs and there are turkey hot dogs. Now, those are, those are very different. Uh, those are kind of the healthy choice. Beef hot dog is not a healthy choice. It's just different than the pork. But, I, uh, I was told beef's a little bit definitely healthier than the pork hot dog based on the calories. It? Yeah. I think okay. your turkey dog is the best one, but the beef's not too far away from that one. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's that's breaking news. I've I've not uh, I've not ever considered that to be a healthy option. But if it is, then there you go. You might consider that as well. If 140 um, if calories for a serving with for beef. Uh, for, yeah, for beef hot dog, 13 grams of fat, and as far as carbs, one gram of carbs. Close. Yeah, it should be close to zero, right? Yeah, it's zero. It says zero on the package, but I'm just trying to be very honest. Sugars, zero on Nathan's Beef Hot Dogs, which, by the way, you mentioned how they're hard to find. I got this bad boy at Dollar General. The DG. I love those. I love Nathan's Hot Dog. I'm not a big hot I'm not going to say I'm not a big hot dog guy, but I do like the Nathan's. I'm not I'm not shilling for them. I get no money from Nathan's, and I've never been to Coney Island, but... uh I actually do like those dogs pretty well. So okay. I would say a beef and a, a beef and a pork hot dog are going to eat pretty similarly. You're going to know if you're eating a turkey dog. You will know, okay. and you will certainly know if you're eating a chicken dog. Uh, so those are very different. All right, but, dog. Uh, beef and pork are going to cook. What's that? I said, all right, dog. Uh, it's right, dog. Um, yeah, yeah the, the pork's a little bit fattier, uh, but it really has to do with the casing, and the different brands have different casings. So. The cook is going to be about the same. If you like them crispy, you're going to be able to get them crispy. If you like them, you know, maybe like boiled style or whatever, it's going to be about the same. It's all about the casing. So the cook difference is going to be negligible. Turkey dog will burn up really quickly. It's very lean. Chicken dog will burn up very lean as well. But uh, beef or pork, you're going to be fine. Our number, 803-816-1170. If you have a question or comment about hot dogs, steaks, or more with our barbecue barrister, you can call or text that number 24-7, 803-816-1170. All right, we've had you weigh in on the quality of the different meats when it comes to hot dogs. But what about the way you, you regardless of the style of hot dog it is, what do you do to make it oh so special when you put it out there on the grill? Well, I don't do... I hate to even admit this on the grilling show, but I don't do hot dogs very often. I do them. I probably do them on Fourth of July. That's kind of a thing to do. Uh, but I, I personally, I like to cook, and and I have a gas grill. I have a charcoal grill. I like to cook most things over charcoal, and hot dogs are no exception. Um, I tend to like. You got two schools, right? You got the soft. I think you got the soft hot dog, and I think some people do like them boiled especially like a Coney Island. I think like a Detroit-style Coney Island is a boiled hot dog, and I'm not an expert on that, but I tend to like a hot dog that has a crisp outer layer. You know, I don't want to say burned up. Some people would probably call it burned up, but I like a nice crisp outer layer with the little bubbles where, where I know it's kind of got this crispy skin that pops, kind of gives you the pop in the mouth. So that's what I like to do. I like to make sure it's nice, and they're all done. That's the thing about hot dogs. They're already cooked. I mean, you can eat them raw. I mean, I think I did when I was a kid, put them out of the package cold. You can do that. They're already cooked. They're pasteurized and all that good stuff. So it's not a matter of being done or cooked. It's just a matter of whether you like the outside charred or not. And I tend to be a charred guy, so that's what makes it special to me is having that charred outer exterior. Are you okay with hot dogs that are cooked in a microwave? Absolutely not. Okay, <laughs> I cannot. I cannot vouch for that. 
I'm not, I'm not going to say that I haven't done it in the past. Um, you know, maybe in lean years, maybe in college years, uh, but that just explodes your hot dog. Either you have it under, either it's under and it's just kind of floppy and nasty, or it just blows up all over your microwave. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and admit that I know that because um, I have experience with that. Okay. But you liked a little char on there. And then when you serve up that hot dog, anything special besides ketchup and mustard? Anything else you put on your dog? Blow your mind, man. I'm going to blow your mind. I am a mayo guy with the hot dog. Really? Only, only mayonnaise? I like. If I had to choose one, it would be mayo. Um, if I can mix, I'll do mayo and a little bit of mustard. Uh, but mayo and hot dog underrated. Um, I tend to be a uh, tend to be somebody who really likes mayo on things. But if you've never tried it and you like mayo, give it a go. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna shill for mayo hot dogs here. Mayo and then in a perfect world, mayo and mustard. You'll uh, go without the ketchup. Yeah, a little bit of mustard, more mayo. I think the mustard will overpower everything. But I love that creamy mayo flavor with the hot dog char. Great combo. Um, you know, it's not, not maybe not for everybody, but uh, give it a go. Give it a try and see what you think. And then what's your opinion on slaw or relish on a hot dog? Yeah, um, I am actually a, again, I'm I'm full disclosure, not a hot dog expert, but I do love a Chicago-style dog. And I am not from Chicago. I've never even been to Are Chicago. you sure you're not from Chicago? Yeah, not from Chicago, but uh, and someone would probably tell me that the Chicago dogs that I have eaten are are poor representations of a real Chicago dog, and I would not argue with them. But I do like it. I like the peppers. I like that bright green relish, the celery salt, uh, the tomato. I really am a big fan. That is my that is my favorite um, hot dog. Actually, is a Chicago dog. So I am of course, right I'd probably have to do it if it was me. And I'm sure I'm sure somebody from Chicago is out there just like punching. Punching the air, thinking of putting mayo on a Chicago dog, but uh, I'd probably do that. Probably do that. And it's been one of the great disappointments of the last five years when Sonic took off the Chicago dog off their menu. Can you believe they did that? I actually like that one. See, I, I mean, it shows my inexperience. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I, I and, was great. Uh, you know, I, I had a few of them. I mean, you know, where where else? Normally, where else in the South can you go and readily find Chicago hot dogs? Well, Sonic was a good option there, and now they about they, it. They ruined that one, and I don't even know where yeah. you can get one now. Oof, I don't know either. I, you probably can't. Or I don't somebody's think, probably out there think. I don't think Mickey D's is in the hot dog business quite yet. So, and no, no, you don't. You don't know what's in the meat, but it's probably not hot dog. But Mickey D's is in the barbecue business in the fall, at least. <laughs> you're talking about the mcgriff yeah i love that McGriff. yeah yeah that's uh as a barbecue guy i just can't even yeah. i just I can't we're just I having know. fun with our barbecue barristers we wrap up so we've kind of walked through everything with steak now and now we've covered again let me pull out my prop nathan's they have great beef hot dogs they got other in fact i got the turkey hot dog from nathan's stored away in my refrigerator too so i'm all about some have you, tr- have you tried it yeah have you tried it yeah it, it's it's still in my head i'm thinking i'm eating a, a turkey and so uh, uh, I, it, until yeah. that is gone i uh it's not quite the same different. however the good news about a hot dog 
no matter what the meat is, you can cover that bad boy, in your case, with mayonnaise and mustard, or in my case, maybe find some chili or ketchup or mustard or any of the slaws that go on hot dogs. And the meat is almost secondary at that point, and it's all made for a, a great taste. And hot dogs, they're part of the fun of Fourth of July, and that's why we wanted you, Barbecue Barrister, to tell us a little bit about your insight on grilling dogs and, of course, your talk about steak. And don't forget, go back. If you're watching us now, go to our YouTube channel, and you can readily find our past conversation with the Barbecue Barrister about all the cuts of steak out there. Before you head to the grocery store here this weekend, you want to make sure you do your research, and the Barrister has done all that research for you. Barrister, hope you have a great 4th of July weekend. We look forward to talking to you again sometime in the month of July when we are all about whatever else barbecue-wise is going on. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Happy 4th of July, everybody out there. Enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, put some mayo on your hot dog and then curse me if you uh, if you don't like it. We'll do it. But I, I don't think we're going to curse you. We like it. We, <laughs> like, we like you a whole lot. More of the Y'all Show will be on with us right after this. Don't go anywhere. called out Alabama's name earlier this hour, so we got to close out this hour a little When It All Goes South by Randy Owen and Teddy and Jeff and more. As we round out Hour 2 of y'all and turn our attention to Hour 3 in just a few minutes, let me remind you what's on the South's homepage. That's y'all.com. If you go there right now, you can learn all about Tricks of the Trade, John Allen and Jimmy Duke's great show all about home improvement. That's on there. Then we also have the importance of clean air for your health. Great article up right there. That was written by Matt Casadona, and it is fantastic information here in the dog days of summer to keep that air a clean. Then we have some of our great interviews we've done here on the Y'all Show video-wise posted there. Our recent interview with Kelly Lang, the country singer, songwriter, and comedian. And then you can also see our Takapola storyteller, the interview we did with him talking about NC State and their what should be national championship in college baseball. Plus, Jerry Short this week talking about the 1950s and the usage of or the non-usage of, it depends on whether you had one, a telephone. All that again at y'all, the South's homepage, y'all.com is the website. Go check it out. And on Facebook, it's y'all.com on Facebook. Please follow, like, subscribe. We're going to take a break, come back with Hour 3 of the show all about South. Randy, take us to break. Get Dixie fried. Get yourself some rebel pride. When it all goes south. We're going to wrap up 
this Tuesday Y'all Show right here this hour. It is the final of three hours of what we call the Y'all Show. If you are a resident of, if you are from, if you are a fan of any of these 16 southern states, then stand proud and listen closely because we have a show just for y'all. Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West by golly, Virginia. Yeah, we're the Y'all Show, and we're glad that you could tune us in right now on great stations and great podcast options. I'm General John Rawl, CSA. That makes me a certified Southern American, and I'm going to be your ambassador for this final hour here of our Tuesday edition. And what an hour we have rolled out in front of us. We've got a tribute to Alabama barbecue. We've got the inaugural class of the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. I'm going to walk you through the establishments. I'm going to tell you what city they're in and what year they got a-going. All that's coming up in the next segment as we kind of scan the southeast here on this Tuesday Y'all Show. We also will have Kobe Bennett. He'll have an accent on Southern Arts and Entertainment. And more feedback from you here on y'all we'll open up the lines if you want to text us our number is 803-816-1170 we are doing it all right here and our email address is mail m-a-i-l mail at y'all.com and that little dot com we just told you about y'all.com it is the south's homepage, and y'all powers the y'all show now let's dive into the start of this third hour with a look at southern sports and we'll start off with the NBA playoffs as that continued on Monday. And a little bit of a comeback from the dead for the L.A. Clippers as they were able to notch a victory in their game against the Phoenix Suns. And with that victory, that series now getting a little bit closer in competition. But the Suns still have the series lead in this one. The Suns with the victory on the weekend to get that series to their advantage. But in Game 5, L.A. came back thanks to Paul George and his 41 points and the Clippers winning 116-102 in the desert. And now they get ready for Wednesday, a Game 6. But the Suns with that 3-2 series advantage right now. On the NBA hardcourt on this Tuesday at State Farm Arena in Atlanta, the Hawks will be hosting the Milwaukee Bucks on TNT. That's set for an 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Atlanta time tip between these two. Right now, Milwaukee has that 2-1 series lead and a lot of questions about whether Trey Young's going to be ready to play for Atlanta in this game number four. I think if he's out of the lineup, it's going to be nearly impossible for Atlanta to try to rebound and come back and knock this series up and it will go back ultimately to Milwaukee with the Bucks just one game away from winning. But they got to play it. We'll see what happens from State Farm Arena. Again, this one set for a TNT broadcast. That's set for 8.30 Atlanta time, 7.30 Milwaukee time. Bucks and Hawks on the NBA hardcourt. In the NHL, the Stanley Cup Finals underway. And on Monday, you saw the Tampa Bay Lightning tried to, to defend their Stanley Cup title, getting a first game win in their series with the Montreal Canadiens. 
5-1 Lightning with the victory in the Stanley Cup Final Game 1. These two teams get back on the ice on Wednesday. That's set for a 7 Eastern, 6 Central start on NBCSN. Canadians and Lightning from Tampa, Florida. Stanley Cup Final Game 2. In college baseball, you had game one of the College Baseball World Series between Vanderbilt and Mississippi State, and the Vanderbilt Commodores got the bats going early in game one, and I think they scored six runs, somewhere around that number, in the first inning and cruised to an easy victory, 8-2 to two Monday over Chris Lamonis's Mississippi State Bulldogs. Game two will be played on this Tuesday evening, if necessary, Game 3 will be Wednesday. The game on this Tuesday set for 8 Eastern, rather 7 Eastern, 6 Central. Game 2 on ESPN, if you want to tune in and see great college baseball, SEC v. SEC. NC State sitting there saying, hey, don't forget about us. Don't forget, Wolfpack fans, Wolfpack Nation. We here at Y'all, the Y'all Show and Y'all.com have declared Elliot Avent's NC State Wolfpack to be a national champion of college baseball here in 2021, and they will split that championship with whichever team prevails between Vanderbilt and Mississippi State. And a reminder, if you're a Vanderbilt fan and you can somehow root the doors, the Vandy boys, to a victory in either this Game 2 or Game 3 if it was played on Wednesday, you have a chance to go to vucommodores.com, fill out a little form before the Game 2 first pitch here on this Tuesday. If you fill the form out, you could be eligible to win great prizes from Vanderbilt Baseball at Vandy Boys on social media. As they put out a tweet saying, when we win, you win. Like this post and sign up below for your chance to win a variety of prizes throughout the College World Series. Vanderbilt, the giving doors. As you have a chance, if you're a Vanderbilt fan, to register and get tickets for 2022. Ten lucky fans will randomly win great prizes, free tickets to a game in 2022. A lucky winner will win a Vanderbilt Commodores Nike backpack. And a lucky fan will get a Coach Tim Corbin signed VU baseball cap and even more goodies coming from West End in Nashville as Vanderbilt, the defending national champion, is just one game away from going back-to-back in college baseball. And they're really in a very giving mood, and who can blame them, especially with the way they dominated game one against Mississippi State on Monday night. Now, also news out of Nashville. This one's not quite so giving, but it's good news, especially if you're a Nashville Predators fan. The NHL will have a stadium series coming to Smashville in February of 2022. And they announced this during the game, the Lightning Stanley Cup Finals game with the Canadiens on Monday. And sure enough, Nashville is going to have its own version of this thing they play outdoors. The Winter Classic, I guess is what it's usually called. And Nashville is going to host this on February 26th at Nissan Stadium, home of the Tennessee Titans. Touchdown, Titans! Touchdown, Tennessee! It's a miracle in Music City! Mike Keith, how am I doing? Nissan Stadium hosting the Stadium Series 
2022, it's the Predators and the Tampa Bay Lightning, which could roll or skate in to Music City as two-time defending Stanley Cup champions if they prevail in their Canadiens Stanley Cup finals going on right this very moment. But put that one on your calendar. You can see Hockey Outdoors in the South in February. I hope it's 100 degrees out there when they have that thing. That'd be really cool. Maybe the flowers will be blooming in late February. I love that time of year when I always try to make a mental note the first flower I see blooming. And it usually comes mm, not necessarily late February. It's usually around mid-March, maybe early March. Now that I think about it, when I see my first tree blooming, and I remember where I saw my first one this year, and it is always such a warm feeling I get. I get excited when I see my first tree. Usually it is a, what is it, the the, the really not very good trees, the, um, oh gosh, uh, I'll think of it in a minute. They're horrible trees, to be honest with you, but they sure bloom first. And they also tear up very quickly if you ever have a a storm come through. So for all you arborists out there, I apologize. I'm picking on trees here on today's Y'all Show. But I am, okay? Speaking of trees, Demarius Thomas was kind of like a tree in the NFL. He spent 10 years out there standing tall, just like a big old giant oak tree catching wide receiver routes uh, and great passes from people like Peyton Manning when he was a Denver Bronco. Bebe Thomas announcing his retirement from the league on Monday, and he's going to retire Demarius as a Denver Bronco. He helped Denver back in 20, what was it, 2015? The 2015 season, yeah, go on to win a Super Bowl. And the 33-year-old will be honored by Denver when they have their home opener against the Jets on September 26th. But he's finished his career. He actually finished a couple of years ago. He didn't play in 2020. Bay Bay Thomas, Demarius Thomas, ended up coming in with Tim Tebow as a Denver Bronco and walking out a Super Bowl champion some years later. And he helped, along with Manning, set NFL records for passing yards back in the 2013 season, also touchdowns. They were a good combination and ended up, again, helping the Broncos win a Super Bowl before he got out of Denver. And he came to Denver after a great career at Georgia Tech. I guess he was first with Chan Gailey before Paul Johnson took over the Ramlin Wreck. And... DeBarris Thomas ends up retiring. Congratulations on a fine career. And the Broncos putting out a a video of DeMarius Thomas on Monday with a quote attached to the video of, I'm DeMarius Thomas, and I've finally come to a decision to hang it up. I'm going to retire, and I'm going to retire a Denver Bronco. Congratulations. Remember, Georgia Tech, although – a rushing dynasty for many of the last two decades, two, 20 years of football. And they've had some great running backs, even with Chan Gailey coaching the Jackets. They, I'm thinking of Tashar Choice is who I'm thinking of, who went on to play, I think, with the Cowboys at one time. 
this is a program, especially under Paul Johnson, that did not hardly pass the ball at all. But they've had some great receivers. You got Thomas, DT. You got Megatron, Calvin Johnson, a Georgia Tech wide receiver alum. So it's a it's a program built for all kinds of playmakers, including wide receivers there at Bobby Dodge Stadium. And for that, Jacket fans, I leave you with this notion and this moment of honoring Demarius Thomas, one of your great wide receivers there in white and gold. Jacket fans, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia. <laughs> All right, another st- sports story. This one's making a lot of headlines today. Gwen Goldman is going to be a bat girl today for the New York Yankees as the Yankees take on the L.A. Angels. Gwen Goldman is 70 years old. When she was 10 years old back in 1961, she reached out to the New York Yankees, her favorite ball club, wanted to be a bat girl. They wrote a letter back, a nice, polite letter, but essentially saying, Gwen, sorry, this is a position, bat boy, that you kind of have to be a boy. Well, now, 60 years later after her letter that she kept, by the way, that's the really amazing thing, Gwen Goldman has kept this letter sent back to her from the New York Yankees in 1961, telling her thanks but no thanks. The New York Yankees today will allow her to be a bat girl for a day, and at 70 years old, she's going to go out there and retrieve Brett Gardner's wood and other great Yankee players as the Yankees and this lady teaming up. She now lives in Westport, Connecticut. She retired back in 2017. And she's going to be a bat girl today. And let's see, back in 1961, the Yankees' then general manager was Roy Hamey. And she got rejected by the then Yankees general manager, Hamey, as he wrote in 1961 to her, while we agree with you that girls are certainly as capable as boys and no doubt would be an attractive addition on the playing field, I am sure you can understand that it is a game dominated by men. A young lady such as yourself would feel out of place in a dugout. (laughs) Well, 60 years later, she's going to be right there in the dugout with the New York Yankees taking on the L.A. Angels today. We wish her all the best. And could this be a recurring theme? I'm actually not too offended by the fact that they're going to do this. And maybe baseball. I mean, who are these bat boys anyway? These little kids. I guess I was jealous when I was 12, 13 years old that I wasn't a bat boy for a major league ball club. But those kids have to essentially not go to school. They must be homeschooled. I mean, where do they come from? Do they make money doing that? I don't really know. It's a good good question. But I actually could see going forward major league baseball opening up the bat boy role and probably changing the name to bat person. And if nothing else, they ought to allow bat that role to be a community awareness type role. Perhaps they could have celebrity bat boys, bat girls. They could have kids who are fighting things like cancer to come out there and serve as a bat boy, bat girl for a game. Seems like a pretty smart thing to do. Because I don't know who these bat boys are to start with now, and I sure didn't know who they were back in 1961 when Gwen Goldman first tried to be a Yankees Batgirl, but she's getting her chance today. We wish her all the best. 
That is a quick look at sports. I will say, before we wrap up here, our sports coverage, I did something sports-wise on Monday afternoon that I have not done in quite some time, and it's kind of an honorary thing I did. I did not actually play. I did sweat, though, and I did enjoy lots of beverages while doing this. I got to go on a golf course for the first time in several years and attend a nine-hole round of golf as a spectator, and I got to drive the golf cart. And so we've had a lot of crazy things happen in the last 15 months, but for some of you, you haven't gone out and done things like play golf, and I got to do that on Monday. It was hot, yes, but it was lovely. And we got a lot of great golf courses out there that need your support. In fact, the course that I played or I, I drove the golf cart for really has struggled. I was talking to someone who knew a lot about this particular course, and they were telling me this thing nearly went out of business over the last year. So let's get out there. You can usually find pretty good deals during the week at a golf course near you and support these great facilities and see the great outdoors and the incredible beauty that our golf courses here in the South offer. And I was a little jealous that I wasn't playing myself, but I had a great time and it was so beautiful, especially on those late summer afternoons, the the late afternoons of the summertime when the sun's kind of starting to set and that beautiful green grass is just so majestic because it's had time to mature here in June, pushing into July, and likely it's had plenty of water this year. And it's just beautiful. I mean, it is just spectacular. I'm sorry I'm a little partial to golf courses. I miss my calling, evidently. But, yeah, get out there and see a golf course near you if you're able to. And if you're even more fortunate than me, you'll be one of the folks playing and maybe getting a couple of eagles and birdies along the way. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to go from talking sports to talking about the sport of delicious barbecue. We've got a directory of Alabama barbecue joints. These joints are in the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame, and I'm going to give them their proper salute when the Y'all Show continues here on this Tuesday.
You know, Alabama is a rather sweet place, especially if you can go to one of those sweet places in the borders of the heart of Dixie and get you some delicious barbecue. And that's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. Sit back, enjoy Alabama barbecue talk here on the Y'all Show as we are the South's show. And the South loves its Q. And let me tell you, you won't find too many states that have as good a barbecue as the heart of Dixie. I know. I'm an expert. I've been to about every corner of Alabama and enjoyed barbecue. And I'm going to tell you now some of my thoughts, but mostly the thoughts of others, as we're going to salute Alabama barbecue. And I don't know how I didn't get invited to the induction six years ago of this. They missed, I guess they just didn't have my address at the time. But there was, in 2015, the inaugural class of the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. And they inducted 29 restaurants throughout the heart of Dixie into this Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. And they did that at a luncheon. Guess what? At a barbecue joint at Golden Rule Barbecue in Irondale. Been there. And Irondale, by the way, is not only a good barbecue spot. Irondale, the Birmingham east of downtown Birmingham, is where you'll find the famous fried green tomatoes. There at the Whistle Stop Cafe, if my memory is correct. So we're going to talk about the inductees into that inaugural class of Alabama barbecue. And for many of you, some of these places will hit home and it'll bring back incredible memories and incredible memories of your taste buds. Some of you, these might be places you have not heard of that are worth further research. And to really be honest with you, the only way to truly research these places is to get there yourself and confirm that this is a indeed a Hall of Fame type place that should be feted in Alabama, the heart of Dixie, barbecue country here in the South. And I know Alabama, you got competition. Memphis loves its barbecue. Tennessee has other great spots. I'm looking at the border states around Tennessee, or rather around Alabama. Tennessee to your north, they they got their barbecue spots. Georgia has good barbecue. Florida, I know you're proud of your barbecue in Florida. Now, Mississippi, I'm going to pick on you. Mississippi, you got to step up your barbecue game. There are hardly any good Mississippi barbecue joints, and I mean that with all due respect. Mississippi is not really a barbecue state. It is more of a catfish state. So it would be hard to fill up 29 places in Mississippi, in my opinion. And I'm a guy that lived in the Magnolia State for more than a decade. I know. I know barbecue, and I know Mississippi needs some help. But at least for Mississippians, if you live in the north end, you don't have to go too far to a barbecue mecca, a place called Memphis, is available for you within an hour's drive for north Mississippians. rest of you, you're a little bit out of luck in my opinion but we're here to talk about alabama and alabama's great barbecue restaurants so let me walk through that inaugural class that somehow again i didn't get invited to golden rule for the first presentation of the alabama barbecue restaurant hall of fame (laughs) and maybe you didn't either so 
Let's talk about it. First of all, the site of where this luncheon was held, Golden Rule in Irondale, it is in the Hall of Fame. And do you know why Golden Rule Barbecue in Irondale, Alabama is in the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame? Because it is the oldest member of the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. Golden Rule Barbecue, Irondale, Alabama, Jefferson County, started in 1891. That's 131 years ago, or 130 years ago, that this restaurant launched. And it's still going strong. Makes you appreciate durability, if nothing else. Irondale's Golden Rule Barbecue in the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. we got 29 of these, so I better get going. Dothan in the Wiregrass. That's the home of Dobbs Famous Barbecue, and it was founded in 1910. It's on the list of Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame restaurants. How about this one? Love, love, love this place. Just went to it a few months ago. Ran into the owner, Chris, in the parking lot. In Decatur, it's Big Bob Gibson Barbecue, home of the delicious white sauce that goes on the chicken. You can put it on barbecue, too, if you'd like. Big Bob Gibson in Decatur, it's in the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. And the best peanut butter pie I have ever put in my mouth there at Big Bob Gibson. The capital city of Montgomery is where you'll find Brenda's Barbecue Pit. It launched in 1942. It's in the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. Carlisle's Barbecue in Birmingham started in 1945. Carlisle's is in the Hall of Fame. In Heflin, that is to the east of Anniston, I think, Barbecue Hut in Heflin launched also in 1946. It's in the Hall of Fame. How about this town? I don't know where this is. I'm going to have to cheat. I thought I knew everything about good old Alabama. I've never heard of this town in my life. Eclectic Alabama. Have y'all ever been to eclectic? Are you kind of an eclectic kind of person? Eclectic is in Elmore County. Elmore County is central Alabama, east of Montgomery, its area there in Elmore County, the county seat of Elmore County, if you're keeping score at home, is Wetumpka. I've heard of Wetumpka. The largest county in that county is Millbrook, Alabama. And within Elmore County, you also have eclectic population 1001. I I demand a recount. Make sure they didn't miss somebody. Eclectic Alabama is where you'll find a Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame inductee Cotton's Barbecue. It's in the Hall of Fame. Lanny's Barbecue spot in Selma, Dallas County, also started in 46. A lot of these were started by people likely returning from World War II. So that's why 1946 alone has one, two, three, four inductees into this Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. Again, Lanny's in Selma is a Hall of Fame inductee into the Alabama Q fame. Hollywood, Alabama. I don't know where that is. Hollywood, you'll find Mud Creek Fish Camp and Barbecue, a 1946 inductee, or it started in 1946. Hollywood, Alabama is in Jackson County, Scottsboro, Bridgeport, Stevenson. And I've never, I don't think I've been to Hollywood. Hollywood looks like it is 
attached to Scottsboro somehow on the northeastern corner. If you want to go to Hollywood, you don't have to go to the one in California. You can go to the one right there in Jackson County, Alabama. How about that? I know where this is now. It might be on the south side of the Tennessee River there because it is the site, this town is the site of the TVA's never-completed Bellefontaine Nuclear Generating Station. And if you ever cross that bridge at Scottsboro, you see that big old nuclear plant, but it never has actually kicked in and, and done anything. In fact, TVA sold that plant, and it's now owned by private interest. But Hollywood, Alabama is where you'll find this barbecue Hall of Fame member, Mud Creek Fish Camp and Barbecue. Utah, Alabama, that is the home of Atkins Barbecue. It's on the Hall of Fame. Oh, how about Florence, northwest Alabama, Lauderdale County. There you'll find Dick Howell Barbecue Pit. It's a Hall of Fame member in Alabama's barbecue class. Union Springs, Alabama, home of the Hilltop Grill. Dora, Alabama, it is the home of Leo and Susie's famous Green Top Barbecue. It started in 1951, and it's in the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. In the Huntsville area, in Madison, you'll find Old Greenbrier Restaurant. That is located just off of the interstate connecting Huntsville to I-65. Greenbrier has a very good vinegar-based sauce that they serve there. I have been to Old Greenbrier Restaurant, Madison, there in the Huntsville area. Hayden, Alabama, it's Top Hat Barbecue. Hayden is a place that I still have never heard of. I, I better get on the road and look more where these Alabama towns are because I really thought I knew. Hayden is in Blunt County. Blunt County is north-central Alabama. Blunt County's county seat is Aniana. I've been to Aniana. I think I've even had barbecue there. Blunt County has been dubbed the Covered Bridge Capital of Alabama. Did y'all know that? And in Blunt County AL, you'll find... Top Hat Barbecue. Pelham, that's in the Birmingham area. That is, I think, the hometown of one Charles Barkley, I think. And Pelham is Johnny Ray's Barbecue, started in 1953. Mobile, I've heard of that place. Mobile is home of Dick Russell's famous barbecue. That launched in 1954. In Huntsville, David Gibson's Barbecue started in 56, and it's in the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Another Gibson is in the Hall of Fame, also from Huntsville. This time it's Gibson's Barbecue. Gibson's in Huntsville started in 1956, same year as David Gibson. Something tells me there was a civil war in the Gibson family. That's just a guess, though. Also in 56, you have Singleton's Barbecue in Florence, Alabama. It's in the Hall of Fame. Bessemer's Bob Sykes Barbecue launched in 1957, and it is in the Hall of Fame. Bessemer might be Charles. You know, I should look it up. I should know. I just talked about it the other day. Charles Barkley gave money to all the people involved in his hometown's school district. I always forget which one's which, where the round mound of rebound is from. I bet you he's had his share of barbecue. He's from Leeds. I apologize. All right there kind of together. Leeds, Alabama is the round mound of rebounds hometown. I haven't mentioned that barbecue joint in Leeds yet, I don't think. Bessemer, Bob Sykes Barbecue. How about Tuscaloosa? Love this place. It's the original one down south of the interstate. Dreamland Barbecue started in 1958. Ain't nothing like them nowhere. Dreamland Barbecue. And they're in the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. I don't think they had to 
spent a lot of time debating whether to add Dreamland to the list. Gurley, Alabama, one of my favorite towns in America. Mary's Pit Barbecue in Gurley is on the list of great Alabama barbecue joints. How about Jacksonville, home of the Gamecocks? It's also home of Rocket Drive-In. That started in 1958. 1961, Homewood's Dimitri's Barbecue got up and going. It's in the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. How about Northport? I've been to this place. I have mostly had carry-out because that's, I think, all they still have there. You have to carry out from Archibald's. Archibald's in Northport, Alabama, right beside Tuscaloosa, started in 1969. Ooh, they got some good ribs that just drip. Drip, 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 good barbecue sauce there at Archibald's. In fact, I'm not going to tell you anything more about it because that was always a secret in Tuscaloosa. Hey, you know the best barbecue in Tuscaloosa is not Dreamland. It's it's Archibald's. That's what locals say. Johnny's Barbecue in Coleman, county number 25 on your license plate. And Johnny's Barbecue in Coleman is in the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. And wrapping up here with two more. Two more. Brooks Barbecue Muscle Shoals started in 1965. I've not been to Brooks Barbecue there in the record capital of Alabama, Muscle Shoals. And lastly, and this is a list that started back in 2015, so one of the requirements is you had to be in business 50 years to make it into this Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. That's why the last inductee from the inaugural class was Athens' own Wits Barbecue, which I have talked to you in detail about. Wits has a pretty big presence in Middle Tennessee, around Nashville. But they started in Athens in 1966. Delicious barbecue sandwiches, great coleslaw that goes on them. Wits Barbecue on the list of 29 that go into the Alabama Barbecue Hall of Fame. Research that, if you will. You can learn a lot more about each one of these choices and the great colorful history of most of these inductees into that inaugural class of barbecue in the heart of Dixie. And for some of you, it's about time to go eat now that you've heard this amazing report. Thanks to the barbecue restaurants of Alabama. When we come back on the y'all show, we're going to have Kobe Bennett drop in for a quick Southern accent on Southern arts and entertainment. That's up. Plus, again, your calls and texts welcome, 803-816-1170. Hey, if your favorite Alabama restaurant wasn't on that list of great barbecue places in a Hall of Fame setting, don't take it out with me. Call your favorite restaurant and say, why aren't y'all in the Hall of Fame? Or better yet, just go see them in person and load up on some good cue. More y'all is coming right up. southern accent here's what's entertaining the south from y'all.com i'm kobe bennett diehard star and man without a country bruce willis was in alabama last week filming the upcoming thriller die like lovers the director and co-writer of the movie jesse atlas confirmed that filming was taking place within the birmingham area the plot of the movie as reported by deadline hollywood is about a woman's husband being killed as part of an experimental new military program and a former black ops soldier taking his place to find the killer The film is based on Atlas's 2017 short film, Let Them Die Like Lovers, which is about a body-hopping assassin who begins to doubt the morality of her vicious assignments, causing a conflict of identity. Coincidentally, this is not the only film starring Willis to be shot in the South in recent months, as the 66-year-old action star was also seen filming in Jackson, Mississippi for the film A Day to Die. 
entertainment headlines, and more at y'all.com. All right, I'm going to have to put that one, that Bruce Willis movie currently being produced into my list of choices to go see when and if it ever gets to a theater. Things are so messed up right now, but great to hear Bruce Willis back in the South filming. I know he's done that before with movies like Die Hard, portions of those filmed in places like Charleston, South Carolina. That great scene of Die Hard 2, I think, was filmed on the old bridges in Charleston, the Grace Bridge. And I know because I was there when they were filming the thing, and I had to sit there and wait for them to finish a scene. I don't know if Bruce was there falling off the bridge or not that particular day, but Bruce Willis filming back in the South in Mississippi and Alabama. Way to go, Bruce. When the y'all and Bruce Bruce Willis not Jenner is who I'm giving an add a boy or or is it an add a girl if it's Bruce Jenner? Uh, we'll be right back. More y'all show. We'll be right back with the show all about the South, y'all. See you there in Pine Bluff. Welcome back to our final segment of the Y'all Show Tuesday edition. Quick look at some of the headlines as we had a tropical storm hit the South Carolina coast in the last few hours. Tropical Storm Danny kind of sprung up out of nowhere. That thing has worked its way into the north part of Georgia and northeast Alabama today. Expected to dump heavy rains if you're traveling or living in north Georgia, north Alabama. Be on the lookout for remnants of Tropical Storm Danny in the news and in the area on this Tuesday. Also, we didn't talk in our headlines today about the awful Champlain Towers collapse in Miami Rescuers still, still trying to find any sign of life. 150 people, give or take a few, still unaccounted for. We absolutely hope for the best in this tragic story coming this week from South Florida. That wraps up our Tuesday, y'all, show. Always a pleasure to be here with you to cover everything going on in the Southeast We're going to do it again on Wednesday. And if you want to be a part of our show, if you want to let us know what's going on and maybe give us a good suggestion, 
Easy way to do that. It's 803-816-1170. That is the number to call or text. That's also the number to call if you're listening to us on one of our great radio stations and you like what you hear and you think you might want to be a part of the fun of the Y'all Show and perhaps be a sponsor. Just hit us up here, mail at y'all.com, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com is the email address. Our number again is 803-816-1170, and I'll work personally with you to try to help get your message out to the listeners in your area, and we'll do it in a southern way, if you will. It's the Y'all Show, reaching out, trying to help out our local radio stations, our local businesses who are trying to get their message across, and we think this is a great way to do it. The Y'all Show. So don't be bashful. Reach out to us. We would love to work with you. In fact, I'll just go ahead and throw the gauntlet out. We'd love to work with y'all. And that's what we're going to try to do. Again, if you are a business owner and you're trying to expand your business and get more customers and new money, the Y'all Show can help you do that. 803-816-1170. Mail, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com is the way to email us and we'll try to set something up and get your message out in your town and your area and get fellow southerners in to do a little business with you here on the y'all show thank you again for being a part of the fun again we'll be back here wednesday we're going to have an acc report courtesy of jonathan life more on the nc state Wolfpack being declared by the y'all show and y'all.com a national champion of college baseball we'll have that and we'll have so much more it's going to be just fantastic on the wednesday y'all show plus a great book interview music interview that coming up here this week of y'all talk with a southern accent john rawl signing off we will see you tomorrow and in the meantime i think i'm going over to pine bluff arkansas y'all Down there, in any place I ever saw.